What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Let's now ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What is going on, Dodger fans? Thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We're presented by Fansided. Make sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It'll really help us out because we are now in the offseason. As you know, your Los Angeles Dodgers have unfortunately been eliminated by the Atlanta Braves in six games. But if it makes you feel better, on this day, on October 27th, exactly one year ago, Your Los Angeles Dodgers did win the World Series trophy. But that is the past. we got to focus on the present and move forward to the offseason. But we have a few things to cover today, including why the Dodgers lost. We have some fan questions we'll get to about kind of looking forward into the offseason. And we'll talk about Andrew Friedman's press conference, which he addressed earlier today, Wednesday afternoon. I'm going to shift gears now and introduce David Rosenthal. I know this loss probably hurt you a little bit. What are your thoughts on what went wrong for the Dodgers or what do you want to open up with on today's show? Yeah, you know, it definitely hurts, but compared to the years prior last prior 2020, prior to where they won the World Series, this this is nothing. Uh, you know, you go back, 2019 was utter heartbreak. 2018 heartbreak, 2017 possibly the biggest heartbreak. And it goes back and back and back and this year is just not quite that for me uh it sucks but frankly the dodgers got outplayed in that in that championship series they they just got outplayed they didn't hit they didn't pitch and the braves were the better team so i'm doing all right i'm gonna be okay but i i can't be quite as mad as i normally am because they won last year and they just simply got outplayed yeah, there's a couple things I want to talk about, but before we get to that, Jake Reiner, what's going on today? Hey, Kevin. Hey, David. Uh, I'm glad we took a few days to do this episode instead of directly after game six, because I think our opinions may be may were, may have been a little different had we done it right then and there. So I'm glad we got to digest this. And I'm with David on this. I think the fact that the Dodgers won last year in 2020 really helps put things into perspective in 2021. The one thing that that I wanted to talk about and that I wanted to hammer home and that I'll probably reiterate throughout this episode is the fact that we've never seen a bullpen like what the Dodgers had. This was by far the yeah. best bullpen I've ever seen as a Dodgers fan. And I know that not only by looking at the numbers, but just the amount of comfort that I felt when we brought in guys like Trinan, we got brought in guys like Kelly, Knable, and Jansen. Jansen this year, obviously. 
and Vesia, like just the confidence that you have at home, knowing that they're going to get the job done, yep. which is why it was so frustrating to see um, Dave Roberts overuse his already depleted starting rotation, not only in the, in the DS, but the, but the LCS as well. Uh, it just didn't make very much sense to me. We can get into the nitty gritty of all of it in just a moment, but that's what frustrated me the most that we didn't ride and die with our strength, which was the bullpen, because like David mentioned, they just didn't hit. And they, they, they won two of these games, one of them by a freaking miracle, but this, but the game that they won, they basically did what they should have done in every single one of these games, which is manufacture runs, get guys on base, get the big hit when they need to. And they just didn't do that consistently. And they didn't do that consistently throughout the season, which is kind of remarkable when you consider the fact that they did win 100, uh, 106 games with this sort of sporadic offense. But the reason they were able to win all these games was because of the pitching staff and mainly the bullpen. 100%. Could not agree more. Yeah, I mean, in years past, you know, you're kind of able to pinpoint heartbreaking moments and you look back at that and you're like okay that's what cost the Dodgers this series but as you guys said they really just did not execute the entire series offensively other than game five when they really laid it all out there but other than that and we'll that's, that's, it. I mean, that's the- kind of how it was for the whole year I mean we saw that in the regular season they would do nothing for two games in a row, and then they'd score 20 runs. And then all these fans and all these people, these, you know, these people online would talk about, oh, the Dodgers run differential. That is why I hate the stat of run differential right there. They score 12 in a game, and they look like shit the rest of the series at the plate. Uh, I mean, look at these numbers. You got Seager, four for 24, 167 average. Uh, Mookie Betts, four for 23 in the series. Will Smith, five for 23 in the series. You can't win like that. You just can't win when those – those three guys, arguably your three best hitters, did nothing for pretty much the whole series. Yeah, but I mean, even with those stats, and Trey Turner is another one who hit like yeah. 240, none of those guys hit that poorly in the regular season. Like, you can look at all the stretches. None of them ever really struggled that badly. Justin Turner and T- Chris Taylor certainly had their fair shares, but Chris Taylor was electric in the NLCS. There were not really any stretches where Mookie Betts and Corey Seager were that bad for two consecutive series. I'm saying two because they basically played six games. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it's crazy though. You, you take out Chris Taylor and Cody Bellinger and, and you're, you're, you're gone in the wild card game or you're gone before the NLDS. I mean, those two guys are the reason they even got this far. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that really hurt this Dodgers team, we haven't really talked about it in this episode was the injuries just became insurmountable. Yeah. It felt like when Max Scherzer got scratched the night before his start, that was a big blow to the gut because we were really have, we were really heavily relying on this guy to give us at least five, maybe six great innings out there. After what Jake was saying, the rotation was essentially out of gas. Scherzer was on five days rest. We all expected that was more than enough time for him to give it his all. And especially in an elimination game and to find out that he can't pitch because of arm fatigue. I mean, I can understand him not wanting to go out there if he doesn't feel like he has it. But at the same time, it really set up Walker Bueller in a really bad spot. And that's something else, of course, we got to talk about. Bueller going on three days rest. And by the time he got to the fourth inning, there was nothing left in the tank. And that's when the wheels started to fall off for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah. And also, we saw what was happening with Max Scherzer before our eyes. Down the stretch, he wasn't sharp. He just wasn't sharp. And the fact that the Dodgers brass saw that and didn't, it didn't show any, any concern for him is just, it's just ignorant on their part. Because if you knew that you got to preserve these guys, especially with Urias and Bueller who have thrown more innings than they ever have in their entire careers because of injuries to the, the rotation, um, Bowers an asshole. I mean, all of those, all of those, uh, you know, reasons combined, they were overworked. And so, yeah, I get it. You got to beat the Giants, and you got to get to the next round. And so they felt that Max Scherzer in the ninth inning gave them the best chance to do that. It worked, 
but it also hurt him for the next round. And, and in a situation where, again, you didn't need him. You really didn't. And, and, and we'll talk about game two as well in the NLCS. You didn't need Julio Urias to face that part of the order. You have Trinan, you have Jansen, you have an off day the next day. Why are you, why are you, we're, why, it's almost like we were operating from a position of weakness where, or a position of desperation in a way where it was like, we needed them. We needed to pull our starters out of the bullpen in order to accomplish this bullshit. The, the Dodgers did this in 2019 with Clayton Kershaw and the NLDS. They had a good bullpen. They had a guy in Adam Kalerik who could get Juan Soto out. Juan Soto couldn't touch him. He was good against lefties, and they just didn't use him. For what? That's the problem that I have with the way that this team runs its organization in the playoffs. Whether you want to put the blame at Andrew Freeman's feet or whether you want to put the blame at Dave Roberts' feet, everybody is culpable in this. But what I don't understand is why when you have something of strength, why aren't you leaning on that every single time? It makes no sense. I'm, I don't know if we want to talk about game two right now, but I'm just going to go ahead and just say this real quick. I'm in the very small minority who doesn't think Dave Roberts did anything wrong that game. Yes, the bullpen is arguably the best bullpen we've ever seen in our lives as a, a Dodgers bullpen we've ever seen in our lives. You got guys you can use. Yes, that all of that is true. But hear me out. If Julio Arias simply executes, this conversation is completely different. Dave Roberts is getting praised by the national media, praised by Dodgers fans, praised by everybody. And this is, this is not on Dave Roberts. It's just not. Period. Would I have used Julio Arias in that situation? No. I wouldn't have. Can I fault Dave Roberts for doing it? When last year, Julio Arias is maybe, maybe the absolute number one reason the team won the World Series. Right. But, but let me just step in here, David. He was that number one guy because he was fresh. They only played 60 games, yeah. Look, you know? I hear, so you. I hear you. He pitched. He, the, the, the point is, is that game two was not a must win in the sense of you're going to get knocked out. It's not an elimination game, even though you, you, you lost the night before in a walk-off, you want to secure the victory in game two so that you can have the split and go back to LA. I get all of that. But when you don't have that many starters and you're trotting Julio Urias out there to, to, to pitch in relief, knowing full well, he has to start a couple days later. Yeah. Doesn't make very much sense. Now I'll just say flat out. I actually was in favor of the move when it was happening because I was thinking like, oh, it makes sense. Lefty versus lefty. Got the top of the order. They've got Rosario and Freeman. And if he can just get through this, then they can bring in Jansen or, or Trine in for the ninth and close it out. But looking back on it, considering everything we've already discussed, it, it just didn't make very much sense. Now, do I think that that move was what cost the Dodgers the series? No, because they could have won that game and blown that game open at any other time. Yeah, look, my, my issue is, is not using Julio Arias. It's you can't have Justin Brühl on the roster if you don't trust him. Well, they he brought in a choice. Yeah, of course they had a choice. Scherzer pitched four and a third that game, and then Roberts brought in Vessia using his primary lefty in the fifth inning to try to keep it a game, which it worked. But if you are going to carry Justin Brule on the roster, you have to be comfortable to put him in a tough spot. Otherwise, what is the point of having him on the roster? Using Trinan for that seventh inning was stupid. He faced the bottom of the order. That was dumb. I take issue with that, yes. But if you if Dave Roberts is in the dugout and he makes a decision that he wants Julio Arias over Justin Brule in that inning, then I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that, period. It didn't work out, but that's not why they lost the game. But I'm saying... Besides Brule, what other lefty did they have to go to on the roster? They don't want to go to David Price. Victor Gonzalez was a disaster. No, I, I, I agree. I, I like so, Justin Brule, but you so, can't have him on the roster if Dave Roberts isn't going to use him. I'm just trying to say, like, they didn't really have another option. Like, you have to have 26 people on the roster, and Brule is essentially a throw-in. I think in hindsight, he proved himself that he was actually more of a vital reliever. But I don't think at that moment in time, Roberts had enough faith in him to go to him in that spot. That's I, my point. That's I, my I, point. I agree. But wouldn't you rather 
take your chances with Trinan or Jansen. I mean, we are, yeah. we know that Roberts likes Jansen against lefties. He said it a million times and guess what? Jansen's really good against lefties. That cutter, that off-speed pitch, the curveball he throws works against lefties. It really does. So to me, that's my whole, that was my whole problem. It's like, even though the offense could have blown the doors off the game. And I think that's where the, where the Dodgers lost it. Cause they could not knock. They, they, they just couldn't get to the Braves pitching staff, but they were up four to two in the eighth. How many times have the Dodgers been up by two runs in the eighth inning and just have shut the door down in the regular season yeah, more times because, than you can even remember. Because in normal situations, you use Trinan for the eighth and Jansen for the ninth, which are your two best relievers. They've got the job done 95% of the time. And he just, he just used Trinan in the seventh. That's, that was the, that was the fatal error. Not bringing in for the bottom of the order too. Yeah. He could, I mean, Phil Bickford didn't pitch that game. Gratterall was available at that time. Both have proven themselves more than capable relievers. That's where he went wrong. Period. The other difference that I wanted to also address between this year and last year is that in 2020, Urias started game three and they brought him out of the bullpen in game seven. Yeah. In this scenario, they brought him out of the bullpen in game two after he had just pitched in game five of the NLDS with the intent that they were going to start him on game four. So I just don't think the alignment of how they used him really made sense given that we already talked about. He pitched the most innings of his life. He was already pretty tired in the previous round. So I think it really, I just think it was such a missed opportunity to, to recognize what your strength is as, as a team. I mean, that right there is just what, what, what made me the most mad about losing this series is that we didn't lose it with our best bullets on the mound. We screwed around, got cute, didn't use the guys that we know can get the job done, have proven it time and time again. That bullpen is the, I've never seen a bullpen on any other team that has been this good. And it's crazy because you look at teams, teams in the Dodger teams in the past, and the bullpen has always been the weakness, the absolute weakness. And then the the one year where it's pretty much the 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 strength in the playoffs after all these starters went down or got injured or retired, and Dave Roberts elected to not lean on it, and it's it's a shame, you know. It's but I will die on this hill. I want to get into his biggest mistake a little bit later in this episode, but uh, we yeah, can try- move on here. I'm trying to get to game six right yeah. now. There's yeah. three There's three reasons that they lost this game. The one obvious is that they just didn't execute with runners in scoring position, and there's one big inning that we're going to get to in a moment. But the, the first reason that they lost came in the fourth inning, as I alluded to, when Walker Bueller was set up to face Eddie Rosario for a third time in the game. He had walked Travis Darnold. I heard some people say that's why they lost the inning. That's not why they lost this game. They I had an that. opportunity to get the <laughs> they had an opportunity to get the pinch hitter out, Adrianza, who was 0 for 7 or something in that series or, or playoffs, I guess. Walker Bueller didn't get him out. Now we have second and third. They had Alex Vesia warming up in the bullpen. And Dave Roberts decides to leave Walker Bueller in this game. And the end result after a seven or eight pitch battle is the three run home run. There's two issues with that. One being, as I said, Bueller facing Rosario for a third time after he had already been hitting him hard in that game. And then the other issue with that was the sequence was just horrible. Yeah. That's, that's the issue right there. Yeah. There, the, the other issue that I have is the fact that Vesia was warming up and was not brought in. What are you waiting for? What what are you waiting for to use him? That is the sole purpose that he is up to face either Rosario or Freeman. If you elect to walk Rosario to get to Freeman, which you know you you could debate that as well, but the fact that he wasn't used more often is the case that Roberts doesn't have anybody warming up, and it's just his starter out there. Whether it's Bueller, Kershaw, doesn't matter. They die out there because he doesn't have anybody else behind him to come in. But he did. And still didn't, and still decided to have Bueller face Rosario, who nobody, I mean, like literally could not get the guy out to save our lives. You have Bueller on short rest. This is the moment right here. I mean, this is the moment where you micromanage the shit. This is your elimination game again. This is the moment where you say, you know what? I need to make this move because we got to stop the bleeding right here. And that three run homer pretty much. Sealed the deal. Okay, so 
I'm going to die on this hill as well. I was fine leaving Bueller in that game. I was fine leaving Bueller in to face Rosario. The issue was that was the worst fucking pitching sequence I have ever seen on a baseball diamond ever in the history of baseball. Maybe I'm exaggerating a bit, but that's what it feels like right now. Okay. He threw seven pitches in that bat in that, in that at bat, five of them, five of them were cutters inside or middle, middle two of them were sinkers way off the plate that weren't even close. Did I, did I go into a coma or is Walker Bueller not a two pitch pitcher? Does he not throw a curveball, a changeup, a slider? And you're just going to just pound the inside of the zone to the hottest hitter on the planet with five cutters. What do you think was going to happen? Whether it's Bueller, whether it's Smith, whether it's coming from the dugout, the absolute worst sequence of the game. That is why the Dodgers season ended that day. I, I, I still can't believe it. it. It was mind boggling how they just continued to set up inside, cut her inside, cut her inside, cut her inside. I mean, yes. And then Kevin's, but I can see it on Kevin's face. He's going to say, <laughs> he's going to say Bueller has had lost control of his secondary pitches, lost control, lost command. Don't care. Throw it in the dirt, throw it outside, throw his timing off, mix it up. You had a, you had a pitch to play with the count. You also, you also had a base to play with too. You, you also had a base to play with. You could take your chances with Freeman. Then Roberts could bring in Bessia. The worst sequence I've ever seen in the last, however long my memory goes. Yeah, it's almost like they were scared to throw those secondary pitches in case there was a wild pitch because they had the runner on third. Obviously, was not the right decision in hindsight. This just goes back to my point. If you don't have faith in your secondary pitches, you shouldn't be on the mound. So I don't know what the hell just went on. Roberts had like a brain fart or something. One, obviously being you got to go the lefty-lefty. Two, for being such an analytic-driven heavy team, you don't see them often leave their starters to face these guys for a third time through. It's just, it's hypocritical to me how they're, they have such a focus on a game plan, but then when it boils down to these key moments, they pivot from it and then they lead to disaster. Yeah. Roberts is so hell bent on having guys have their moments like that. When he manages like that, we typically lose. It just, it doesn't typically work out for us when he, decides that oh he what he wanted was Bueller to strike out Rosario and have this momentous uh you know just you know moment for Bueller he walks off the mound that's it at a boy pat on the back like that's what that's what Roberts wanted because Bueller has been the horse this is the second time he's taken the ball on short rest he's been the dog he's been the bulldog he's been the guy that they can rely on when Max Scherzer just couldn't do it and so that's what happens. I mean, he's done it with Jansen, with Kershaw. I mean, just guys that he knows full well he should be going the strategic route. And like Kevin said, so analytically, analytically driven that he has the goddamn lefty up to face the lefty and doesn't use him. You know what, though? That's season on the line. Who do you want determining our season? Do you want Walker Bueller or do you want anyone else? This isn't because Walker my, Bueller on full rest, though. That's it like doesn't my matter, point. man. Nobody's got a bigger pair of nuts than Walker Bueller. Well, if I want, if I want my season to be determined, I want that dude throwing the ball. He just wasn't. I the want same a better sequence. I want a better sequence. What do you mean? He's going to finish top five in the Cy Young. Yes, he was tired. That doesn't mean he can't rear back and get one more hitter. The sequence was pathetic. I mean, what the hell are we doing with that sequence? What are we doing? What are we doing? Don't pitch to Rosario. I don't care. I don't. I, I don't care. I that guy had that guy was beating us the entire series. That's the one guy you can't let beat you in that lineup. It used to be Freeman. It used yeah. to be Riley, but Rosario was the guy. You needed to get him out. Yeah, and instead you just throw five cutters inside. You might as well just just tell him what pitch is coming. Here's a menu. Here's what I'm going to throw right now. That's what we did that that at bat. Walker Buehler with a blister last season was better than the Walker Buehler we got in this postseason. And I think part of it is just that they're different guys because of the length of the season. But the velocity on everything Buehler threw, threw was not as hard as it was last season. And the advanced stats will back it up that he was not the same guy he's been the last two seasons. I mean, you think about it, and it's it's like the the Dodgers had the injuries to the to the rotation. They 
needed their starters to go every fifth day. There was no, there was no rest for any of these guys, especially given the fact that the last couple months of the season, they needed to be in there because the, the race for the NOS was so close, closer than we've seen it in recent past where, you know, if the Dodgers were able to cruise to the end of the season or not, not worry about the, uh, the division, then maybe their guys would have been better rested or, you know, would perform better like this, but they just were gassed. Thanks a lot, Cole Hamels. <laughs> yeah, and Danny Duffy. <laughs> yeah, I Let's mean, hell, this- Fried- Friedman tried, man. He tried He tried to bring oh. in the reinforcements. You got to give him that. Yeah, it's not on Friedman for sure. Let's get to the seventh inning because this is where the next part of this game went wrong. Luke Jackson became like Byung-Hung Kim in this <laughs> series. Every time they threw him out there, he blew up. A.J. Paul came through with a massive two-run uh, double, whatever it was, regardless yeah. – the Dodgers set themselves up for second. It, it was a it was a, 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 a one RBI. Double. Yeah, one RBI. One R, okay. Second and third is the scene, though. Yeah. Dodgers set themselves up for second and third. Nobody out. Um, Snicker makes the bold move of going to the lefty, despite knowing that the Dodgers are going to go to their righty bats. In Tyler, hey, guess Madsek. what? Guess what? Snicker went to his what? His best reliever. Yep. In the bullpen. Because he was like, I'm going to die with my best reliever on the mound. Just wanted to say that. Well, that's what the Dodgers did with Walker Bueller. Just saying. Yeah. So but, regardless, go who ahead, wants Kevin. to talk about who wants to talk about where this went wrong? Because the, obviously the pinch hitting selection was stupid. I mean, I'll, Jake, I'm happy to start because I'm going to get angry. So if you want to start, I can calm I'll, down real I'll, quick. <laughs> I'll start. I don't think any of those three hitters came up there and got a piece of any of those pitches. I don't think anybody got a foul ball. Um, uh, Albert Pujols looks way overmatched. Um, I know you're going to get into this, but the fact that Steven Souza Jr. was up at the plate with the season on the line is questionable at least. I mean, at least put up Austin Barnes. If you're going to put up someone that actually has some postseason experience, but taking Souza out of the equation, you you think with the season on the line, you've got Albert Pujols who's come through many, many times. He had nobody out. All he had to do was hit a fly ball to just get one run in, right? And then you're only down by one. And also Mookie Betts, who stared at two balls right down the middle. Yeah. What are you looking for? That was the worst I've ever seen him look. That was a, those are awful at bats, the worst at bats and give credit to Tyler Matzik, right? He, he just owned them. I mean, just straight up came in and just shut them the hell down. All right. Robert's sending up Steven, Steven Souza Jr. With the literal season on the line was his worst move since bringing in Clayton Kershaw in 2019. You cannot, under any circumstance, put Souza in that situation. You just can't do it. I do not give a fuck that he is right-handed. And the matchups say, go to the righty against Tyler Matzik. That's a load of crap. You can't have Gavin Lux, the number two prospect in all of baseball, talented as most people on the team, against any handed pitcher. I don't care what the stats say. Yes, he's worse versus left-handed pitchers. I don't care. He is the best possible pinch hitter you can send up there with the season on the line, period, end of story. Barnes also has a case here. But look, if the season's on the line, you have to send up your best player. I don't care what hand the pitcher throws the baseball with. I don't care. Throw the analytics out the book. Throw the match. Throw the matchups out the window. Throw it all out the window. You needed to send Lux up there. Do you, is, is Gavin Lux incapable of getting a hit off a left-handed pitcher? No, absolutely not. We've seen it time and time again this year. I think he has 16 hits off lefties this season. Inexcusable to send Steven Sousa up there. That was the season right there. That was his worst move of the series, his worst move of the playoffs, his worst move of the season, his worst move since 2019. The Dodgers died with Steven Souza in control of the destiny. That is in, that's, that's just abhorrent. I mean, how do you let that happen? You can't. You, you didn't even need a hit in that situation. Just a fly ball. Just put the ball in play. Anything. anything. And it's, it's not Steven Souza's fault either. It, I don't blame him whatsoever. He should have been watching from the dugout, cheering on the Dodgers, which is what he did best this season. 
And also you put the lefty up too. Even if even if Lux were to hit a ground ball to the right side, that scores. There's one. Win. There's one. He is by far the most capable hitter off the bench in that situation. Hands down. Don't care if the guy's throwing left-handed, right-handed, submarine, both hands, ambidextrous. Don't care. Gavin Lux was the move there. And now it's 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 all over because we we put the faith of our season in Steven Souza's hands. And also just the fact that Andy Burns and uh, Steven Souza Jr. had more pinch hit opportunities than Gavin Lux and Al- and Austin Barnes. I-, I just don't, I don't get it. Burns and Souza combined for an inning of outs that game. One inning. We gave them three outs with Andy Burns and Steven Souza. Three outs. It was certainly a slap in the face, you know, riding out this great season, 106 wins, another six in the postseason, only to have season Steven Souza come up with essentially your season on the line. It certainly stung. It was pretty stupid, and I, I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know how a it's, competent it's, manager. It, it's always weird when when Roberts deviates from the matchups script. Like, at what point does he decide? It, it almost feels like there, like he go, he goes the he goes off script when he shouldn't go off script, and he and he stays on script when he really should go off script. Like with with Bueller leaving Bueller out there, yeah. Like really should have gone to the script because he had Vesia up, or really should have gone, you know, with the script of not bringing in Julio Urias or not bringing in Max Scherzer. But he goes off script to do that. But then when the moment you really need to go off script with a guy at the plate, it doesn't matter that Souza is a right-handed bat or that Burns is a right-handed bat. They're not good hitters like period so yeah. to me and yes they are major league hitters and they deserve to 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 play at a high level but when you've got the season on the line you've got to go to the best poss- possible bats off the bench and granted the Dodgers bench we can talk about too which was just bad overall um but there are there are there, there are the right moves and the correct moves and they just weren't made in that inning yeah, it was bad for a couple of reasons. One being a lot of guys didn't pan out, but also injuries shortened up the bench essentially. And that's why Roberts felt the need to go to Sousa. But uh, regardless, it's just stupid. It wasn't a, this isn't spring training where you're trying to like get cute and let guys get their opportunities and get an at bat. This is game six of the National League Championship Series. And I'm on board with David. It should have been Gavin Lux or at least Austin Barnes, but instead they go with AAA 152 batting. Steven Souza Jr. So he'll probably be in Japan or something next year, but at least he had his moment, I guess. Thank you, Roberts. Yeah, I mean, again, it's not on Souza. It's not. I, I don't expect him to succeed. When you send him up there, I expect him to walk slowly back to the dugout after the at-bat is over. That is what I expect. You needed to give Gavin Lux a chance. You just needed to do it. By far your most talented hitter on the bench. You had to do it, and he didn't do it. Could have used an emotional Dave Roberts decision at that point in time. Souza, you could argue, actually gave them a run. <laughs> like when when he was in, was it game? I forget if it was game one or game two. But that throw from right field that he that he uncorked, yeah, um, made oh like yeah, thirty seven bounces run. to the plate. Yeah. Well, none yeah, of, this, ha- none of was... this happens if Muncie doesn't get hurt. Remember that. Ugh. the injuries they were just too much but i mean atlanta had injuries too so i mean you can yeah, it's we, no excuse yeah it's just the reality so there's a few things i want to just throw out there in the air the universe one being i felt like gotta give credit to the braves they beat us but at the same time i feel like the dodgers beat themselves more than the braves beat us Games two one and two i would completely agree game two, four they they smacked us around yeah, that's one. Good for them. So the second thing is, I don't think any team in the history of the sport got fucked over harder by this MLB playoff format than your Los Angeles Dodgers. A 106-win team had to go up against St. Louis in a do-or-die wildcard game. That's one of the reasons Max Scherzer began to battle fatigue because it was unnecessary. Both the Dodgers and the Cardinals had more wins than the Atlanta Braves, who essentially skated by with an easy cupcake division in the NL East that we all thought no team coming out of that division had a chance to go anywhere. 
yet here they are in the World Series. And two, they kind of got a lucky matchup with the Milwaukee Brewers, who, yes, they have some daunting pitchers at the top of the rotation, but that's about it. They have one awesome reliever who's a dumbass and broke his hand, and then they have no offense. Yeah, and also, like, I mean, it just but, it's just about what team gets hot, right? But I'm I not, mean, I'm not done here, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> the Dodgers then have to go on the road to the San Francisco Giants in what was one of the most grueling series probably in the history of the NLDS format. That went down to the ninth inning of a Game 5 series. If you have the seeds really line up by record, it should have been the Atlanta Braves if they don't at least have to play in the wild card game, they should be facing those giants in the NLDS because again, 107 wins versus 88, the Dodgers honestly should have had the Milwaukee Brewers. But the point is that this, the giants essentially beat us down. They fought too hard. And then we were just out of gas and we were out of a lot of players. By the time we got to the Braves who were way more rested than we were. Still should have won. I mean, still had the better team, still should have figured out a way to win, and I'll, I'll always die on that hill. I mean, I, I think that the, that the Dodgers had, had that series. Had they been laser-focused in games one and two, um, would not be in the situation, at least at the very least game two, would not have been in the situation that they were in. Yes, Atlanta played well. And it is kind of all about who gets hot in the postseason. I mean, you look at 2020 where the Astros make the playoffs with an under 500 record and make it to the ALCS, almost make it to the World Series, but were stopped by a better raised team. That's just what happens in the playoffs. And I agree. If there was one team that shouldn't have been made to play uh, extra games, it was the Los Angeles Dodgers. Also, if there was one team that couldn't afford to play extra games. It was the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah. So you go back to, I don't know, let's say August, maybe, maybe even before that, where we knew that it was going to be the Dodgers against the giants in the wild card game. I always had a feeling that I thought it was going to be the brewers, but I always had this thought in the back of my mind that the brewers or it turns out the Braves we're going to have a cakewalk pretty much to get to the NLCS. Uh, and they're not going to have to play an emotional series. They're not going to have to play an emotional wild card game. They're not going to have a huge emotional high and expending a ton of energy. Uh, Cause those are hard to build off of. I mean, the Dodgers had to play an extremely emotional, high intensity wild card game followed by pretty much the series of the year against the giants that went five games came down to the last inning, et cetera. So I always had this thought, uh, you know, I, I took the Brewers to, to win the World Series three months ago because I, I figured that this could happen. Uh, and it ended up being the Braves. And I think that the Dodgers, whether it would have been the Dodgers or the Giants, uh, playing in, in that kind of an emotional series against a fellow 100-win team takes a toll on you. Uh, and obviously the injuries play a factor too, but, but those series can take a giant toll on you. It's pretty simple. Yeah, I mean, I think the, more the injuries than the emotions, to be honest. I mean, yeah. I, it's obviously the injuries, you know, first and foremost. But I mean, that's not easy to keep playing those emotional series after emotional series and get high, uh, you know, get high uh, or avoid the lows, etc. That's tough, man. The the one part of the team that was fresh was the bullpen, and I'll keep saying this again. That is, that is what makes me so crazy about l- losing the NLCS was that we just didn't rely on them. We didn't lean on them when we definitely should have. And it was the one aspect of that team that wasn't gassed. Yeah. I mean, before first pitch game six, Lauren Shihadi said she interviewed basically the entire bullpen and they all said they were ready and good to go. So kind of proves your point. Yeah. And, and that one bullpen game was freaking excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Right. Eight and a third of no runs. Three hits I mean, total. You, you, you take out the, the Joe Kelly to, uh, you know, uh, two run Homer that he gave up to, to Freeman and he get, he gets hurt after that. It was like, Holy cow, this team. I mean, th- this bullpen is, is unstoppable. All right. So I think I covered everything I wanted to talk about in this stupid series. Is there anything else we forgot about? Or you guys wanted to get on, get off the, your chest before we move on? Well, I'm just, I, I really appreciate the work that 
AJ Pollock, Chris Taylor, and Cody Bellinger did uh, towards the the second half of this series, um, mainly talking about Pollock, but Bellinger and Taylor for the entirety of the series, they were the backbone of this very uh, sporadic and at times very weak offense. And for the top of the lineup to do what they did, we already talked about it at the top of this podcast, um, to, to not come through when, when the Dodgers needed them most, um, it was Taylor and Pollock. And in that game five, the one of the elimination games they played in the LCS, that it was it was remarkable. Uh, the fact that CT3 um, hit three home runs in a game, AJ Pollock hit two home runs in that game. Um, I just can't say enough about uh, what CT3 meant to this team in the in the postseason, but also Pollock because you know we've talked about it a lot. And since the Dodgers have had Pollock since 2019, uh, Pollock has just not shown up in the postseason. He was over 13 in 2019, uh, famously, uh, and then couldn't come through in 2020. So uh, for those guys to come through like they did, it, it was uh, it was awesome to see. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, this is going to sound. Uh, it's not going to sound weird, but I just want to take my hat off to to Walker Bueller and Julio Arias because yeah. uh, they didn't really get a fair shake in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, they had to shoulder an unreasonably high amount of responsibility for the Dodgers success. And what they did over the entire season is worthy of praise. Uh, they, yeah. they took the next steps in their careers and especially Julio Rios, because you got some idiots on Dodgers Twitter who are trying to say, Oh, Julio Rios should be in the bullpen. Uh, no, that's wrong. And you're an idiot. If you think that a big, stupid idiot. Uh, and Julio Arias uh, basically told those guys to shut the hell up. And and Walker Bueller, yes, the velocity was down. Yes, he he didn't have an amazing season, although he's going to finish in the top five Cy Young, which is insane to say together. Uh, my hat's off to them. It's unfortunate that the season had to end uh, the way it did. You know, I didn't really – most Dodgers playoff series, you know, I got my, my nostrils flaring and, and they're, you know, all that kind of stuff. I didn't really feel that with this series. It was kind of just, they either won the game or they didn't, uh, you know, it was a very calm, calm series for me, uh, in my nostrils, which are normally flared up. It's also kind of just hard to hate the Braves. They don't really have any players that are unlikable. I agree. They just do their business. And I kind of like teams like that. They don't really taunt or show showboat. Just, get up and play and do their business. And they also came through with runners in scoring position. The Braves hit well over 300 in that series of runners in scoring position. Meanwhile, the Dodgers collectively hit about 244. So that was not the difference, but it was one of the big differences that the, that the Braves just came through. They also had less opportunities to do that. Uh, I believe the Dodgers had about 45 at bats with runners in scoring position and the Braves had about 35. Uh, and so they, they were able to come through, or I shouldn't say oh, I'm, I may be speaking out of turn um, off the top of my head, but the point is, is that the Braves had less opportunities to, to, to score runs and they did it at a higher clip than the Dodgers did. And you can't fault them for that. And, and also the, the series that Eddie Rosario had is one of the best uh, postseason series I've ever seen uh, from a Dodger or otherwise. Um, he, he simply, he simply owned the entire series. Absolutely. And if you're wondering why we're not going to recap all the players, regular seasons and all that, and go more in depth, we have that coming in the off season. So look ahead for, or stay tuned for the weeks ahead. Cause we got a lot of stuff lined up. We're going to break down pretty much every player and kind of give you brief analysis on our grades on how they perform during the regular and postseason. season. Uh, my final thought on this series is just, if there's one thing that really was my takeaway positive is that Cody Bellinger looked like he bounced yeah. back. Hell yeah. And looks like he's going to be due for a big 2022. It sucks because he's going to have to have a four or five month layoff now and things could change. But at least in that LCS, he looked like a combination of the 2018 and 2019 Cody Bellinger. But at least he has that layoff to get fully healthy. Um, yeah. that was one thing that was really ailing him this season and not, not only the time that he missed, but even the time that he was there, I just, you could just tell that those injuries that he sustained were, re were really affecting him. Yes. 
So on Wednesday afternoon, Andrew Friedman, the Dodgers president of operations, addressed the media in his annual his annual um, press conference. Press, yeah, going out of the season press conference like he does every year. And, you know, they asked him a number of questions. They asked him what happened to the offense. He basically summed it up saying on paper, he thought this was the best lineup he had ever assembled and was kind of surprised and took a step back how they didn't perform one through nine. He felt like the Trey Turner move put them over the top and thought they'd be able to balance themselves out when certain guys struggled and other guys were hot. Obviously wasn't the case. It seemed like the team other than two guys went collectively cold. He also was asked about Trevor Bauer, a couple things. One being, will Trevor Bauer ever pitch again in Dodger blue? He declined to comment. He also asked how Trevor Bauer would affect their offseason. He also said you have to wait and see. So what that means for free agency now is that, unfortunately, it seems like this contract is going to either come back to haunt the Dodgers or we're going to catch a break and they're going to suspend him. But the point is, he will have an impact on how the Dodgers roll out their team in terms of payroll next season. Yeah. Well, it also, it also seemed like Freeman was deferring to major league baseball yeah, um, he ha- a, yeah. a lot. It's the only and, option. And yeah, it is his only option. And, you know, major league baseball has yet to kind of hand down whatever punishment they are going to hand down to Bauer. Um, and we just going to have to wait and see on that. And, you know, Basically, Friedman, the organization, their hands are tied in this in this situation. Yeah, which we've yeah. discussed many times on this podcast, but some people still refuse to accept. He was also asked about the amount of injuries, and he said he knows every team has to deal with them, but even he was surprised by the amount of injuries that this Dodgers team had to deal with. And he was asked about why Julio Urias came out of the bullpen in game two of the NLCS. And he basically politely said, you'll have to ask about Dave Roberts in that decision. He basically explained that they do all the talk talking before the game, but once the game actually gets started, it comes down to Dave Roberts and his coaching staff to make those in-game decisions. So if you're still one of those people out there who gets mad at Freeman say, Oh, they don't know what they're doing out there. Why do they go to the analytics? Well, according to Freeman, those decisions in the game boil down to, Dave Roberts and his coaching staff. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's we, simple. I mean, we've, we had Tim Neverett on the podcast, you know, last, last uh, off season, I believe. And he, it's, he basically, what he said is, you know, they have the plan, they have what ideally should go on and then the game happens. And obviously nothing can go perfectly according to plan. And that's when Dave Roberts makes his money. Uh, so sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. That's just the man. It's just the manager, the manager's life. And then just to conclude pretty much the press conference, he wouldn't really reveal his strategy going into this off season in terms of which guys are going to for sure resign. He gave the safe answer saying, Oh, we'd love to have all of them back, but he understands that it's their decision to test the free agency market. And he respects that. And he also mentioned that um, rounding out the rotation is something that they're going to address. Don't exactly know what that means because he also said, he feels like they have a number of guys in the system. Some already that we saw, Mitch White, Andre Jackson, but a couple minor leaguers in Bobby Miller, Landon Knack, and Pepio that we could be seeing next season somewhere down the line. Hop on the Mitch White train. <laughs> hop it. Hop on. I am the conductor, and the, the train is leaving the station uh, in March. So that's buy your tickets before then. I'm not as high on Mitch White as you are, but I will say that I have always, I've always liked him, uh, and I've seen, and I've seen the potential. Buy stock now. <laughs> we have a number of questions from the fans, and they all want us to talk about the off season. So we're not going to go too crazy in depth, but we are going to answer these questions to the best of our ability. Yeah, we got to have a whole off season episode soon. Yeah, yeah. So here we go. The first question comes from Gabe Valencia. Who do you think the Dodgers will bring back? And I'll list out some of the free agents. There's Max Scherzer. There's Clayton Kershaw. There's Corey Seager. There's Chris Taylor. There's Kenley Jansen. Corey Canable. And then Joe Kelly has a a team option. Which will be declined. So (laughs) add Joe Kelly to that list. Go ahead, Jake. 
And we'll I've do these str- kind of quick. So yeah, I've, I've been struggling with this one for a while, but I'd like to bring Seeger back and I'd like to bring Taylor back. Not happening. Like- Pick one or the other. <laughs> not, I can't you're, have, not, I, you're not I can't getting have, both. You're not getting if, both, my friend. What if they, what if they get rid of Bauer? Still not happening. You need pitchers too. All right. Give me Seeger. Okay. Um, give me Seeger. Give me Kershaw. Um, I'm going to wave goodbye to Max Scherzer. Um, Kenley Jansen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you know, that's a tough one because he was really good this year. Um, but yeah, but, and I, I'd like to bring back Ken Abel too. Uh, my predictions just real quick. They bring back Chris Taylor. They wait, drive- wait, wait, not, not, that wasn't the question. What do you, what do you, what would you do? No, oh. Who do you think? Oh, who do you think? Oh, yeah. sorry. I miss, I misheard that. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> okay. Um, t- Fuck Chris, me then. <laughs> yeah, pr- pretty much. Bend, bend over backwards. All right. Uh, I think Chris Taylor, Corey Knebel, Max Scherzer, and Clayton Kershaw are Dodgers next season. You think Scherzer's coming back after after what happened? I do. And Jim Bowden put out that he thinks he's getting $50 million annually. He's not Who far off. Who the hell lets Jim Bowden out of the house? He's, he's not no, no, far he's off. extremely far off. Sure, there's no way in hell Scherzer's I could see over 35. I, I, I don't 50 think million. Are you insane? It's gonna I, break he may not get that deal. much, but I, I honestly feel like a team, I feel no, like no. a team, I feel Look, like a team like the Angels are gonna are gonna go for sure. That's you know what? It would be smart of them to finally do that instead of pay losers like Anthony Rendon. But here's what I have to say just really quick on Scherzer. He's 36 or 37 years old. He doesn't want to go to the Angels or the Rangers or some poverty franchise. He wants to win another World Series. Him and Clayton Kershaw are going to have a nice lunch together. They're going to talk about what they're going to do. They're going to come to Andrew Friedman and be like, here's what you need to do to keep us. Bada bing, bada boom. See you next season. So you would, so you would get rid of Seager. I mean, you would say goodbye to Seager. I would right? like to keep Corey Seager, but I think he's going to get close to $275 million, and that's not what the Dodgers are going to be willing to pay. Right. To, me, so. to me, I, I think you got to hold on to him. What, what he's done in the postseason, what he did for the 2020 championship, it can't be, it can't be under, you know, underrated. And well, also, you can't play him at shortstop long-term. Okay, we can well, debate, hello, we can hello, we're getting, we're getting yeah, the Kevin's DH. In no, Kevin's in no mood. Okay, <laughs> we're getting the later. DH. Thanks for that ahead, spoiling Kevin. something else, but okay. Max Scherzer will break the Trevor Bauer record, and I do think the Dodgers will pay him. Whether that works out remains to be seen. So Scherzer, Kershaw, they're coming back. Corey Seager comes back. I My prediction is that the Rangers, the Yankees, and the Dodgers have three teams leading the race. The Rangers are going to offer slightly more money, and Corey Seager is going to be like, oh, hell no, I don't want to play for that sad franchise. Comes back to the Dodgers in a shocking move. Um, and finally, the other guy I think they bring back is Corey Knebel. I think that's actually the first guy they get off the board. I think he's just too big of a high leverage guy to let go, and they'll get him on a good value. Moving on from CPZ, predict what the opening day lineup for 2022 will look like. Oh, my God, man. I mean, what am I, Nostradamus? I, I let you guys know in advance. I'll go first if you if you yeah please I got I got a pen or something real quick all right so here we go Mookie Betts leads off in right field Corey Seager second and shortstop in a bit of a surprise move Nick Castellanos the designated hitter hitting third cleanup Max Muncie at first Bellinger in center batting fifth Will Smith your catcher at sixth Um, Justin Turner at third base seventh eighth AJ Pollock in left. And Gavin Lux batting ninth at second base. You'll notice that someone on the team right now who is a big part isn't there. You're gonna you're gonna trade Trey Turner. I think that the Dodgers pay Seeger. Now they realize that Trey Turner is a trade chip. They're gonna package him with David Price and some other scrubs and do a massive salary dump to retool this team. Who do they get for him? It's gonna be a starting pitcher, but I don't want to show all my cards yet. We'll save that for another episode. All right. Here's my lineup. Mookie Betts leading off. Trey Turner batting second. Cody Bellinger, resurgence, batting third. Max Muncy hitting fourth. Will Smith hitting sixth. Justin Turner hitting seventh. Gavin Lux uh, hitting eighth. And AJ Pollock uh, hitting ninth. Where's Lux playing? Did I do that right? No, no, no. I messed up the numbers. So I got Betts, Trey Turner, Bellinger, Muncy, Smith, 
Turner, Lux, Pollock, Chris Taylor. And my Where's opening day playing? starters, Walker Gavin Bueller. Lu- Gavin so, Lux. Just to mention. Gavin Lux is playing second base. Trey Turner is at short. Oh, I see. AJ Pollock is your DH. Chris Taylor outfield with Betts and Bellinger. Okay. Uh shit. All right. Um let's go, let's go Betts. Um Seeger. Uh Cody Ballinger. Max Muncy, Trey Turner, Will Smith, uh Gavin Lux, AJ Pollock. So the same right. team basically. With no well, Chris no, Taylor. I, well, no Chris yeah, Taylor, I mean, but I have Seeger. No outside guys coming was what I meant to say. Oh, yeah, oh, I, I yeah, can't. Yeah. I'm not in a position to predict that yet. All right. Next question is from Brojan Truen. If Kelly Jansen isn't re-signed, who is the new closer? Trinan. Knable. Well, I think I, I honestly think without without Kenley Jansen, because like we said, it was sort of half uh, an honorary role and half his his role because he's earned it. But I think the Dodgers are are better off doing doing the matchups and and putting in giving giving the best part of the lineup to Trinan. I agree. I don't think Blake Trinan is going to be the closer. I think he's going to have the same exact role he's had as a Dodger, which is going to be high leverage seventh or eighth inning. I think Bruzdar Gratterall is going to take a big next step as we saw in the playoffs. And I think he's going to share closing duties with Corey Knable. I'm scared for Gratterall. I feel like his arm's going to blow out, but I don't want to well, put don't that say bad that. <laughs> So young you Jeremy, to, you don't want to say it, but you just did. Young Jeremy 18. Is Corey Seager returning or do they extend Trey Turner? We already kind of answered the Seager part. So we can answer this part. Do you think the Dodgers will extend or re-sign Trey Turner? I already said no. Well, didn't he say that he didn't want to be in LA? Well, he said he doesn't want to be on the West Coast. But, oh, that, that's you know, said. when a 275 to $300 million contract can change that for someone real quick. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't see the point of giving him that when you could give that to Corey Seager. But that's a whole other debate, I suppose. Yeah, that's a whole other debate. So Kevin, also... is a, Kevin is a yes. Jake is a yes. I uh, Or a no on this question. I think they are going to not re-sign Corey Seager. And I think in that situation, they will extend Trey Turner. I think that people that are upset with Trey Turner for how he played in the postseason, I just, I, I, I'm not, I'm not on that train. I'm not, I'm not on that train to say like, you're, you're done on this team. That what he did, what he did in the regular season can happen in the postseason. It's he's too good. Not, not to, not to succeed in the postseason, in my opinion. I agree. I, I'm not a believer or a, I don't buy stock in someone's postseason stats. I, I'm not, I don't put too much stock into if they're really good in the postseason or really bad in the postseason, with one exception, which is Jock Peterson. Oh, I'm, I'm absolutely buying people's stock, how they perform in the postseason. You were saying that about Walker Buehler not too long ago. So just saying. Well, you're, okay. You're talking about me? No, David. There's a oh. couple players who, who, can take their game to the next level, but I don't believe someone is just perennial, perennially bad in the pl- postseason, uh, which is what people thought AJ Pollock was. But fast forward to this year, he was one of the top three Dodgers in the postseason. So I think it just comes around and, and goes around in the playoffs. Yasmani Grandal would beg to differ. <laughs> Nick Stelzer wants to know if Chris Taylor leaves, how do we replace him? Oh man, that's a tough guy to replace. You know, he plays all all over the field. Uh, you know, I think they're not going to give up on Zach McKintry being yeah, that guy. That's, that's I, what I, I think say. that's what they're going to try to do. Well, he looked really good before he got hurt beginning of the season. Yeah. Yeah. We saw we saw the potential there. It's just about him staying healthy and him getting more of an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I think McKintry will take his game to the next level. We saw the raw talent early on before the injury, like you mentioned. Edwin Rios will be back. Hopefully he can bounce back because he was really good in 2020. I think people kind of forget how much pop that guy had. He had some big home runs in the postseason too. I don't think I don't think Friedman can afford to sleep on the bench. I think he's got he's got to fortify that bench, you know. Get get yeah. us get get us someone that that is established so that we don't have the um the triple A revolving door that we had this year. Absolutely. 
I don't know who they're going to get. Those are things we have to wait for later in the off season once the winter meetings and the hot stove heat up. But they will find a way to replace Chris Taylor unless they re-sign him. I just think that Chris Taylor's value is going to get too big for uh, Andrew Freeman to want to re-sign. Um, and then finally, last question comes from Ryan at Catch the Blues, one of our top listeners. Yeah, he's a good dude. I like that guy. Discuss. Hey, Ryan. <laughs> go, sorry, go ahead, Kevin. Discuss <laughs> what could be a questionable rotation next season. Who eats quality innings? We kind of already touched on it. Obviously, Bueller, Urias, t- two guys for sure back. One of Kershaw and Scherzer will return, if not both, although they're going to have to find a way to load management those dudes because they fell apart later on in the season. And then, you know, Dustin May won't probably pitch as a starter next season. He won't. No shot. Tony Gonsolin is a big question mark. Can he bounce Ugh. back? Do they move on? Mitch White, Andre Jackson, Friedman already talked about. Those are two guys he thinks will have a role. And I think that Friedman is going to address this rotation in a trade. Can't talk about that right now, but I do have things coming for later on this offseason, and I think that they are going to make a lucrative trade for a starting pitcher. I I feel sort of um, bad for Tony Gonsolin in a lot of ways, just because uh, in 2020, he didn't really get that consistency in the rotation, but when he wasn't there, he was really effective. And then in this season, he was hurt pretty much the entire year. And then when he did get his chances, he wasn't very effective. So I know that, I know that he's a good pitcher. I know that there's something in there within him that, that uh, he can be effective. So I'm not ready to, to give up on him yet. And I think um, from what we saw this year, you can really never have enough pitching because literally we thought we had too much. We had a surplus of pitchers yep. and they all died. That was the yep. joke. Yep. That was literally the joke coming in like, there's just too much pitching. How are we going to fit all these guys? Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with Kevin here. Uh, I think they're going to possibly make a trade for someone, but I think Friedman saw what happened. And despite his valiant effort to acquire pitching help, like Danny Duffy and Cole Hamels and, and, and all these guys, I think he's going to go on a, on a bender. I think he's going to pull get, dip into AJ Preller's secret stash of uh, friendly powder here. And, uh, sign about six to seven guys who can just eat innings who aren't very good, but can just be there to eat innings. I'm talking like if they could like put Eric Lauer in a lab and clone him and get like six of him, they would do that. And I think Andrew Friedman is going to sign that kind of guy, Drew Smiley, you know, that type of guy, maybe they'll kick the tires, kick the tires on Dylan Bundy, who was noted spider. Yeah. Noted spider tack merchant, but big fan Dylan Bundy still, I think you're going to see those guys get signed by the Dodgers. And then they'll all get hurt. Well, <laughs> can't be worse than this year, I hope. Yeah, hopefully not. And that's why the Dodgers were willing to pay that asshole, Trevor Bauer, a record contract because he was supposed to be that cornerstone, yep. eating all the innings, absorbing it, taking a toll on his body, laughing himself to the bank so that the younger guys like Urias and May and Gonsolin and Bueller and Bueller will add him in there too. Yeah. Can have less of a load on their plate so that they would be more fresh in the postseason. And unfortunately it was a series of unfortunate events and they just ran out of gas, but I don't want to hear anyone say that this Dodgers team didn't have enough heart or they didn't want it enough because they absolutely did want it. This team wanted to repeat. You could tell just by how much determination they had, especially in the second half, they were basically the best team in baseball. It's just unfortunate that the Giants wouldn't quit either. And then I already talked about, they just had too much competition in that NLDS. And that's what really was the last straw and took a toll on them. Yeah. I mean, that guy who said that is an idiot, but that's well documented. <laughs> All right, guys. Is there anything else you wanted to cover before we close this show out? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a sad way to end the season, but uh, what are you going to do, man? They won the World Series in uh, 2020. This team had heart. They cared. Uh, like I said last episode, I wish we could keep this exact roster together for the next five years uh, and run it back and run it back and run yeah. it back. 
Pools will be dead Ke- by then, but yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kevin's laughing because he's he's just disgusted with the Dodgers bench, but uh, he you know what I'm saying. I, I'm excited for the off season. They need to get the CBA hammered out. I don't want this lockout nonsense. Uh, Rob Manfred and Tony Clark need to be locked in a room together for the next month and then just figure it out. But I, I'm excited for what Andrew Friedman's going to do. I, I think he's he's in. I think he's going to have a reckoning of some kind this off season. This is definitely the um, the most holes that I feel like Andrew Friedman has had to fill on a Dodgers roster just because of everybody that's come off the books. Um, you know, we're losing all the guys that we once had uh, a ton of control over. And so this is going to be an interesting uh, offseason. The team is going to look a lot different, I feel, uh, next season. And the, the final thing that I wanted to say, and it's something that I um, have reiterated a bunch, is the fact that this was not Dave Roberts' fault, all of this. And I know a lot of people are blaming him. Uh, fire Dave Roberts was something that was trending on Twitter directly Idiots. after the game. And it's just unfortunate when um, you're willing to put all of the blame at, at the feet of one person who doesn't play the game, who's not in the game. Um, and it's unfortunate uh, when you consider the fact that even still with all of the um, adversity, yes, the Dodgers did face a lot of adversity this year. Uh, you know, I don't care what anybody says. Um, that he was able to keep this team together, that he was able to manage uh, his way through the season, did a pretty damn good job of managing this team uh, on and off the field throughout the season. And he you know, has a World Series under his belt. They've been to three World Series. They're in it every single year. And so you've got to give credit to the job that he's done. And in no way do I feel that the Dodgers should fire Dave Roberts. And in no way do I feel that the decisions he made in the postseason, albeit questionable and albeit can be considered dumb and bad. I don't think that that's why they lost this series. It simply isn't. Um, I mean, this team offensively just didn't meet the moment. And that that's what it comes down to. The offense didn't meet the moment and the starting pitching was too gassed. I'm a, I'm with you hundred percent. And I also think that this team is going to make a few notable moves and it won't be the same Dodgers team that we watched in 2021, but that's what the off season's all about, baby. So can't wait for the winter meetings. Hopefully there's no lockout cause that would suck, but yes, stay tuned with us. we got all kinds of fun stuff coming up. We're going to get some guests on, but by helping us out, you just have to subscribe, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever they let you do ratings. And, you know, thank you guys so much for hanging with us this 2021 season. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.